Here from the studios at 47 ABC WMDT. I'm Chief Meteorologist Rich Bordzik. This week I'm with meteorologist Ulysses Garcia. Ulysses, how are you feeling? Are you hydrated? Well, I'm, I've been hydrating. You know, I've been, I've been drinking That's a lot good. of water. Uh, <laughs> been staying cool. I know I've been at the at the fair, so it's uh, uh, you know, it's been busy. It's been busy. We got a lot going on. We got a lot of heat across the area. We've uh, been experiencing easily the longest stretch of yeah. continuous heat we've had so far this year. This year. Mm -hmm. And uh, it coincides with the fair. You mentioned the fair. We're going to talk about that, talk about the heat here locally, talk about the heat that continues across the country but across the world. Mm -hmm. I feel like the last uh, episode of uh, WeatherWise, this is exactly what me and Sloan were starting off with. Um, and the heat hasn't changed since. So, you know, a week later, still dealing with it. Thankfully here as we're looking at Wednesday, we're finally getting a little bit of a reprieve across the area. We've had a drop in the, at least the daytime high temperatures. We're still in the soupy air mass. But um, at least a couple days that we're not talking about 90s on the on the map. Yeah. Although uh, to end the week here, we're going to have a few spots in Del Mar, but certainly above 90. And then for the weekend, hoping that we get another. I, I hate to call it cool air this time of the year, but a shot of cooler air, right? Yeah. Because it, it's you know yeah. it, we're we're splitting hairs this time of the year when we're talking about cold fronts. I call them cool fronts at this point because. Right? I mean, a cold front, no, we yeah. can't really talk about a cold front until yeah. the fall, right? No, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call this a, a continental <laughs> polar air mass. I there you go. I talked about that on Weather Tidbits where it's a, it's a dry and cooler air mass. It's definitely not a, I wouldn't say we're in a dry and cooler air mass. Right, know? right. So we'll take anything we can get. But yeah. um, you know, a, kind of a subtropical slash tropical environment that we've had uh, for a while. And it's to be expected. We're on the peninsula here. Uh, you get a southwest flow. That Gulf moisture coming in, and then the moisture of just uh, being next to the Chesapeake Bay and the Atlantic Ocean. Um, yeah. you know, this time of the year, I guess, really can't ask for uh, too much more. Uh, let's start with the the heat that we just got out of the, yeah. the heat wave, and I'm taking a look at a couple of numbers here, Ulysses. Um, you know, the Salisbury Airport, three days in a row or more of a 90 degree high temperature or more. Uh, just to define for the audience here, that's what's technically a heat wave defined by the National Weather Service. And here at the airport. Um, several days in a row, going back to the 18th, where we hit 90 or above at the airport in Salisbury. Same thing for Georgetown. In fact, Georgetown, Delaware, the airport hit 90 a day before, so the heat wave technically for uh, Georgetown is going to be one day longer. Um, and just taking a look at some of these numbers here, a string of 94, 95, 93, 96, 96. Those are all the high temperatures in a row going up through uh, the weekend in Georgetown. Man, when you factor in the humidity, you want to talk about heat index. A lot of people ask me about that. Like, wh what exactly does that mean? That was the problem with this heat wave. Okay, so yeah, so uh, the heat index is, you know, it's just um, when you add the humidity and the temperature and what it feels like outside, we use uh, the dew point as our best indicator to, you know, in, you know, to convey that point of how humid it is outside. So when you have numbers well into the 70s, that indicates it's, you know, it's miserable outside, very tropical outside. And especially if you make your way closer to 80 degrees, then you really are just getting no relief whatsoever outside. Um, now, if you want a more technical definition, dude, it's a giant formula that is involved when it comes to involving the heat index, but we're not really gonna get over that. I've done it before. I showed, Lots the, of math. I showed the formula before in the weather tidbits <laughs> a couple years ago, but yeah, it's really just a formula. Like when it comes to wind chills and heat indexes, when it feels like in the winter, they're really just mathematical equations. But we convey it here, um, you know, to explain to the audience more with when it comes to humidity, and we usually use the dew point 
in the summer and in the winter we usually use the wind uh, with the temperature to tell you how it feels outside. Right, and you bring up dew point. That's another number that I think some people are um, not too familiar with. They hear about it a lot. It's basically what the, the temperature needs to be to, to, to create dew, essentially. You yeah. need to cool the temperature down to be. So an easy way to remember when we talk about the dew point, the higher the dew point, the less the air needs to be cooled to basically wring it out like a sponge, mm -hmm. the moisture out of it. So. Um, but it's more important we show the dew point because you mentioned that it is more of a direct measure of the moisture in the air. This is why when we go on TV, uh, meteorologists, uh, we don't like to show relative humidity as much anymore because that term relative is very important. The relative humidity is the humidity relative to where your temperature is during the day. So in the morning where your dew point 70 and if your low temperature is 71, your relative humidity is close to 100%. But by the afternoon, if the high is 90 and the dew point is still 70, that relative humidity is much lower because it's just relative to where your air temperature is. And that gets confusing. And maybe listening at home probably confuse them explaining it right now. But this is why you don't see as much that term relative humidity on TV as much as you see dew points because they are so much an easier indicator and to um, you know, convey it with how humid it is. And we have a little dew point scale we sometimes show. Yeah. This time of the year for dew points are in the 70s, that's normal, but that's considered very humid, right? 60s, you're kind of feeling a little bit, and I'm, you know, being very general with this. We have a scale on this, but, um, and if we can get dew points in the 50s, which we did a couple weeks ago, yeah. that's a treat for this time of the year, because that's some very dry air for summer standards. No, yeah, and then I was also going to convey, like, also dew points are also um, a way for us meteorologists at times, you know, to help indicate, like, it gives you a... Uh, somewhat of a ballpark idea of where low temperatures could be at night. So even right. the dew point, um, it's not just also conveying how humid it is outside, but even when we use it in the daytime hours, we can say, look, like, if these, you know, under certain conditions, this is a good indicator of where our temperatures could end up later on tonight. So, uh, you know, just to convey that. And that's not just for the summertime, but even in the wintertime as well, you know. That's a very good point. You can't, I mean, unless you change the moisture content yeah. of the air to change the dew point, your yeah. temperature doesn't go below the dew point. Yeah, so exactly. If your dew point's what, 73? Yeah. We know that our nighttime low temperature is not going below 73, unless yeah. that dew point was to drop. Yeah, yeah, you need something to, there has to be something that will force it to drop, like a frontal system or something. But, something. If, we have the, yeah. but if we have the entire day, like it's been lately where it's been sunny all day, and there's not really like an actual, uh, you know, weather mechanism coming in from somewhere, um, that is a good idea of where that low will be later on tonight. That's right. And that also has made our heat, this recent heat wave, that much more dangerous is because the high dew points. Obviously in the afternoon we talk about highs in the low to mid 90s, heat indices, the heat index well above 100 with that humidity. But because of the high dew points, the nighttime low temperatures have not been dropping very low. And in some cases during this past heat wave, we had nights, I know going on TV at 11 o'clock at night showing current temperatures, we had nights that uh, when I would go on at 11, there were still so many locations in the 80s. That meant that it was well after midnight that these locations actually dropped below 80, let alone found their way down to the mid 70s, which is low temperature right before sunrise, before going right back into the 80s once the sun came up. And that makes it dangerous. It's that 24 hour heat cycle. Sloan and I talked about it last week. The 24 hour heat cycle where during the day it's oppressive on the body, but at night there's no ability to cool off and it's very subtle it's something even if you have your air conditioning going um, you don't realize it as much with the air being so humid but your body just kind of wears down because it doesn't have that time to really recover from being out in that heat or being exposed to the high heat and humidity combination um, um, 
air, essentially, and that, that's what makes it so dangerous, this past heat wave. So getting a break, we talked about it. The air mass that's over top of us now isn't really that much more dry or less humid. It's just thankfully not seeing the high temperatures during the afternoon soar into the 90s yeah. as much, although we are looking at here at the end of the week at that a little bit. But going into the weekend, something a little more manageable this time of the year, yeah. I think that now we can kind of take that and just be happy with it. You know, it's still summer. We still want the temperatures to be where they're at so we can enjoy the beach and you know, whatnot, do the outdoor activities and uh, have some fun, but it is something uh, worth uh, noting. And um, oh, yeah. uh, going into, you know, what we're talking about here with this extended stretch of heat, um, you know, averages are upper 80s, and now we're going to be heading toward the end of the month. We're starting to see that average high temperature come down just a little bit. Uh, so I'm on the other end of the spectrum as now we're headed toward fall. I know that kind of gets you excited a little bit, right? No, yeah, absolutely. I know I showed, I showed the countdown monitor at the, at the fair I'm back on Saturday. So uh, but like you said, though, we're, we finally hit the top of the mountain. Now we're starting to go uh, back down you know, on the mountain. So we're going to start seeing our, high, our average highs uh, slowly go down. They're not going to go down too much in August, but really in September, that's really where we're going to start seeing those temperatures really begin to take uh, more of a nosedive. Um, as we make our way into fall, and like I just want to mention one last thing about the about the the heat that you were talking about is like um, when we have these heat advisories, you know, they also include the nighttime hours as well. So I know like when you know a lot of times these heat advisories usually include in the daytime hours, but I know like this past weekend for Northern Delmarva, it wasn't just a daytime event like Rich said, it was also a nighttime event, but they did include it for the nighttime hours because even the criteria sometimes for a heat advisory or excessive heat warning. It's not just the heat in the sea in the daytime, but it's also um, overnight lows as well. Hey, there you go. That's a very good point to uh, you know pass along here because we're going to have stretches of heat that will technically be defined as a heat wave, uh, potentially all the way into you know late September, even early October. Yeah. It's not out of the ordinary, but each heat wave is not the same. And you bring up a really good point with some of these latest advisories taking into account that nighttime situation where we're just not cooling off due to the humidity and we can have more of a, a dry heat. I hate that term, but it is useful here. We can have a drier heat maybe later in the season that gets defined as a heat wave, but it's something that um, can be handled better because our nighttime lows in those situations will probably be in the 60s yeah. as opposed to now in the 70s to near 80. So you mentioned the fair. Let's talk about that real quick. The Delaware State Fair, we kicked that off a few, a few days ago. Um, and that's something we do every year. 47 ABC broadcasts live up there. This is my first fair. Um, boy, what a good time. It's just, it always seems to come at the hottest day of the year. This meteorologist Sloan Haynes tells me that. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it's the hottest time of the year, and that's, that's when you know that the fair is starting. And I think that that has been certainly the truth since the start. I got lucky on the first day the fair kicked off. There was a storm nearby that brought in some cool air, gave us a drop in temperatures. Sloan and you have had to be up there in the heat. Yeah. How's it been so far? Well, Saturday, it was definitely hot out there. Um, you know, I definitely felt it. You can feel like that uh, that soupiness outside, just how steamy it was out there. And then on Sunday, just out of precautions, we did it inside because we knew that Sunday was going to be the peak of this heat. So uh, we did it in the exhibit hall on Sunday. But, yeah. Um, but even like, uh, you know, because of the fact, that, you know, where we're situated, you know, even when you like crack a little bit of that door open in the exhibit hall, you can feel that heat coming in. Like... <laughs> Like, you can tell the difference from the AC to, um, you know, just, and especially on Sunday, I could tell that, you know. Well, that that's, you, you're talking about the exhibit hall where we actually broadcast live where our yeah. booth is. Thankfully, the fair has places like that, like cooling yeah. centers, if you will. And yeah. They're, they're great. If you think about going to the fair, um, go. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a little better out there weather-wise, but uh, from the heat standpoint. 
but know that they do have that set up at Delaware State Fair. Cooling areas like that, lots of drinks and refreshments and ice cream and the stuff that's that's wow. there to cool you down. You know, they're ready to take care of you, but Ulysses talks about the exhibit hall, uh, one place that I know that the air conditioning is working fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so we're talking about the heat here, finally getting a little bit of a break from it, something back to normal Delmarva standards here for the next several days. But you and I were remarking about something that Sloan and I were talking about this time last week, the heat just wreaking havoc in places like Europe that just are not used to this type of heat. No, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in Europe, I know like, uh, you know, London, they made their way to the triple digits last week. Uh, uh, and then the fact that, you know, uh, I've been reading, you know, articles here when it comes to Europe. Europe is different than the United States in how it adapts to the heat. Um, here in America, you know, we have, you know, AC, it's a lot more common homes, but in Europe, it's only found about one out of five homes, so about 20%. And that's also the reason why, you know, there's been more uh, fatalities in Europe than there usually is in the United States is because of how the situation is when it comes to handling the heat over there, uh, unfortunately. But yeah, temperatures in London, um, you know, into the triple digits, usually when they're average highs, usually like in the 70s. Uh, for this time of year, especially in that area, because you know they tend to have a marine West Coast climate similar to what is happens in Seattle, um, is what their climate is similar. But and then there's also been concerns in Europe about because of all this heat, um, areas with drought have been taking place, wildfires in Spain, and the fact that there's even rivers across Europe that are just uh, you know beginning to dry up. So yeah, so in Europe, it's really just been a really concerning situation. Uh, with these heat waves and then obviously here in the United States we've been dealing with wildfires as well out in the west I know uh, even at one point last week um, the entire state of Oklahoma at one point didn't have a temperature lower than 103 degrees that, that's it, that's yeah. a, in like it's just hard to put words on it you can hear me struggling to find a descriptor for it but you, you were talking about Oklahoma with those temperatures I, I just remember scrolling through Twitter and seeing yeah. some fellow meteorologists yeah. out there posting current temperatures or daytime highs that broke yet another record or they'd show the map of Oklahoma and the whole place was just under the triple digit heat yeah, constant. And you're talking about also affecting here in the country, one place that's you know not in the contiguous part of our United States, but Alaska, which Alaska, is yeah. part of the state of Alaska is actually in the Arctic Circle and they're talking about tundra fire burns. Tundra fire, those two words together, that sounds kind of um, that like they cancel each other out or yeah. they should never be in the same sentence. But yeah. that's what they're looking at. Um, that's the type of you know, heat wave that's gripped the uh, world at this point uh, to go along with the fact that um, there's been drought conditions in some of these areas. They're looking at wildfires in Alaska. And, you know, you talk about a place that is not used to seeing wildfires. The one uh, title in one of the articles here, Alaska Experiencing Wildfires, it's never seen before, or at least in, in modern-day record-keeping, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's just really concerning. And then the fact is, like, even other states are, have been dealing with this continuous mega drought, because I know that's even been a turn up in use, like California, it's been a continuous drought for the multiple years. They're saying that even their, drought, their wildfires have been deadlier in the last couple of years, and it's becoming... Uh, more of a more of a thing, more of a common thing. I mean, the fact that the state of California, even though it does improve a little bit, but not enough, you know. Right. Obviously, we hear about uh, you know Lake Mead and and all these stories about what's happening over there, how the the water supply has dwindled so much from where it was like even just 25 years ago. Right. And um, it's 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 difficult to read about, hear about because it, we're talking about a situation so massive in scale. Um, it's not like tornadoes or hurricanes or 
the type of weather that we're used to dealing with where you can escape the oncoming danger and you know come back a few days later like in the course of a hurricane or take your safe safe place in a tornado and then you know the storm is gone these are things that continue with the fires and the droughts and they persist um, and the devastation is across many areas and of course attributed somewhat at least in these situations directly to climate change um, you know this is a, such a broad subject to tackle on what exactly you know we're going to be able to do about this and at this point from a weather standpoint you know all we could do is forecast and prepare people for that um, at least here locally we haven't seen too many problems we had some drought conditions what to start uh, the season uh, yeah. coming out of spring yeah those have since been gone I, and in some cases we've seen too much rain as sloan and i talked about last wednesday in the podcast with flash flooding that occurred in the salisbury area but um so far a very wet period and i think here to end the, the month of july here on delmarva we're looking at uh, some decent wet conditions every day almost seems like it does feature the chance of a shower thunderstorm until we get to the weekend and you're getting a break from that but uh I think that, uh, you know, we've got a little bit in the way of quieter weather coming up. We have to watch for, obviously, these thunderstorms this time of the year. It's really the, the lightning that's the big deal. And, um, you know, we're thankful to have a very quiet, act, a quiet um, tropical season so far. But Ulysses will keep an eye on that. And we know we've got a long way to go before the end of the season. So No, yeah, and definitely, yeah. you know, we'll probably even get more rain from, uh, you know, from that, you know, tropical disturbances. I know those areas in the south, they've been uh, – you know, they've been scorching quite a bit, you know, like uh, Arkansas, Louisiana, they've been seeing those temperatures even in the triple digits. Um, and, you know, in those areas, you know, it's kind of unfortunate because, you know, because they're dealing with the heat now, but then eventually they will, um, you know, the concern of hurricanes will become the next thing that they've been dealing with, especially in Louisiana. They've been unfortunately bombarded with hurricanes the last couple of years. Right. So hopefully there's no major hurricanes coming their way. But it just sucks. It's, it's uh, unfortunate, how, unfortunate how sometimes when we go in these heat waves or something like this, we would have to get a tropical disturbance to break the heat wave. Right. Hopefully that's not the case this year, it, but sometimes, unfortunately, it tends to be the case. It, unfortunately, it's a trade-off. You deal yeah. with something, a, wet, a severe weather event on a broad scale yeah. like that just to break a drought. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 yeah. It can be difficult uh, weather-wise to get things to be uh, you know, recalibrated back to average, which seems like we don't sit in that... Uh, yeah sit in that area for very long before things uh, start to become out of whack weather-wise across yeah. the area. But that's what we're here to talk about on this podcast is yeah. when the weather gets uh, kind of crazy. You know, we like to take a look at it and uh, at least try to make some sense of it here in the podcast and and to be able to uh, explain it so it's better understood going forward. And, of course, you, any questions you want to ever ask about uh, the weather, you can always find us. Uh, email is a good direct way, weather at uh, wmdt.com. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can find our myself, Ulysses, Sloan. We're all on Facebook and Twitter. Send us a message. Uh, we're certainly happy to talk to you at any time about that. We can bring up some of the topics here on WeatherWise. But I think that's it for us this yeah, week. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we're going to have a lot more to talk about this time next Wednesday. So definitely uh, join with us again next Wednesday when we drop another edition of WeatherWise. And thank you again for listening here to WeatherWise from the meteorologist at 47 ABC, WMTC.